Welcome to the Nun Report, bringing your regular dose of truth, freedom, and weirdness with your host, Dan Nunn. Thanks for tuning into this guest edition of the Nun Report. This week we have on a true America first patriot from Pennsylvania, a decorated combat veteran and infantry officer who served in the 10th Mountain Division, known for his leadership of what became known as the outlaw platoon patrolling the border between Afghanistan and Pakistan during Operation Enduring Freedom. He served our country until he no longer could, receiving a medical discharge from injuries sustained in combat in 2006. He's a recipient of two bronze stars, one for valor and a purple heart. He went on to become a New York Times bestselling author of nonfiction and fiction novels, candidate for the United States Senate, speaker, and is host of the daily podcast, Battleground Live. Today, we'll touch on a range of topics from uh, the the New Hampshire primary that's going on today, J6, the VA, uh, the disaster unfolding in the Middle East that uh, that Biden is causing the border crisis and more. Anyway, let's get down to it. And welcome to the show, uh, veteran and America First Patriot, Sean Parnell. Uh, Sean, thanks for thanks for coming on today. Hey, brother, what's up, Dan? Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, you know, thank you for your service and and what you're doing to get the word out about freedom in this country with your podcast and everything, too. Oh, you're welcome, man. This country is worth it. I, I, it was an honor to serve this country. The American people are great. Our country is great. And I think, Dan, it's just people don't really understand. I think by and large, at least there's a very large percentage of people in this country that don't understand that what we have here isn't guaranteed. And yeah. most countries all around the world don't even hold a candle to this country. And you know, that's why I just feel compelled to speak out and, and fight for it because there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. I mean, we're, it's kind of like everything's been discovered, right? We can't go find a new land unless, uh, unless Elon wants to take us to Mars or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which, which maybe I, Hey, if things go South, maybe that's what we got to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so how about a little about yourself for those that uh, aren't familiar with you? Um, I've been following you for a while. I've read all of your books and uh and my wife had introduced me to you some time back but um i mentioned your your service to the country in the military how about a little bit of a background on that um how you went from that to becoming an author you ran for the senate and um and you carry the torch now through the media so just a little background i guess on yourself well I, you know after september 11th uh 2001 i mean i was a sophomore in college when that happened and after i saw the towers come down i was shaken very deeply to my core and and by the way i grew up you know had an amazing middle class middle class upbringing you know two great parents but i didn't really experience much hardship in my life you know i mean outside of the normal stuff that kids go through um but you know so i remember having a conversation i say all that to say i had a conversation with some of my roommates just a few days prior to 9-11 and i said what 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 is our you know what is our generation's calling card what are we doing like at that point i didn't even know what my major was and then 9-11 happened and for whatever reason i just felt like i knew exactly why i was here and and that was to serve this country you know to serve something greater than myself hmm. you know i was angry uh, you know, as much as I was scared, I was also angry. And and yep. by the way, anybody in the wake of 9-11 who lived through it and survived it, they told you that they weren't scared and, and angry, if especially scared. They probably aren't telling you the truth, because if you think back then, Dan, do you remember what that was like? We thought that the 9-11 attacks 
the airplanes into the World Trade Centers were just the beginning of something much like a much larger, wider scale attack. And so yeah. that was just not, I was like 20 something years old. And, you know, I just said, you know what, I'm getting in the fight. I'm taking the fight to the enemy. So I wanted to join the army and I did, and I wanted to go in the infantry and I did, and then airborne school and I did, and then went to ranger school and I did all that cool, sexy stuff and ended up with an, an infantry platoon in charge of an infantry platoon in the 10th mountain division. By the way, I was a brand new second lieutenant and I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. Didn't really know. I mean, seriously, I went through all the training, but that can only take you so far, yeah. you know, um, and I get to my unit and most of these guys in my platoon had already been to Afghanistan and OEF four, like a couple years after 9-11, they they were in Afghanistan already taking the fight to the enemy. So I arrived when almost all of my non-commissioned officers and the leaders of my platoon had already been to combat. So uh, to get to the unit and we knew we were going to Afghanistan a year after I got there, but that's all we really knew. And then yeah. we just started the arduous process of training for war. Oh man. And, uh, that's just, uh, I can't even imagine what, what that's like, you know, when people, uh, I, I know a lot of veterans, I never served, but, um, when people say, uh, Oh, we need to, you know, another civil war or something, or, you know, Hey, they start talking about it. It's like, have you ever done that or been there? Because, um, I can't imagine it's pretty. I can't imagine it's a lot of fun. And and I think a lot of people don't understand what they're saying when they call for things like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. And that, that's part of the reason why I, I'm so politically active right now. I mean, you know, I see I see, you know, obviously I'm involved because I want to make sure that my children inherit a country that's free and, and rich with opportunity. Um, but but I'm tired of. As, as you said, I'm tired of politicians on both sides of the aisle send Amer sending Americans into war with no end in sight. I'm just so sick and tired of it. And like, I, so I would give you a sense of the evolution in my mind. You know, 20 something kid after 9 11, angry, believed at, at the core of who I was that with that American flag on my shoulder and the might and the power of the United States military at my back, I could accomplish anything bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, went to combat for 485 days, killed uh, killed over 350 enemy fighters. My platoon took an 85% casualty rate. Some of my men were wounded twice. I think one guy was wounded three times. I was wounded. So we went through it. And I come back to a country where politicians, I mean, we were. this was when I got back and it, it was Obama had just been elected. And it felt like this country at, at that point while there was hope around Barack Obama's election that he might be at the time, and this is at the time, right? He could have. I mean, he could have done yeah. so much good for this country, and yeah. instead he did just the opposite. That's exactly right. And at the time, there was a glimmer of hope that he might be able to bring people, because bring people together. And here, here's, this is when I learned a very important lesson. And again, keep in mind, I was really young and stupid, right? So I'm kind of just learning as I go. But but you can't listen to a damn thing politicians say. You have to watch what they do and how they vote. And so while Barack Obama was saying lots of, you know, soaring and aspiring rhetoric about unity, the reality is he did the exact opposite. And I felt like my country was in a downward spiral. And all these politicians talking about, you know, sending Americans to war and watching what was happening in Afghanistan and I was screaming from the rooftops because I got back in 2007, you know, and. And I'm saying, listen, if we don't have some sort of end state 
Like, what does the mission look like? What's it clear? It's got to have that has to be clearly defined. Yeah. What's the end state to this operation? It's going to end in disaster. I said that every year on the year for damn near 10 years. And then sure enough, what happens with politicians in charge? And, and in this case, Biden at the helm, we God. surrender in Afghanistan and waste 20 years of blood and treasure there. Just and then, so this is this is why I'm involved, it, because politicians just seem to mess everything up. Yeah. And, and for for what? I mean, nothing changed. The Taliban is back in charge of Afghanistan. Iran is basically running Iraq. Um, and and for what? You know, and now we have yeah. Ukraine. I mean, half a million people have died there and they want um, Adam Kissinger uh put a post up on on x yesterday where he's like hey you know all of this aid is going toward buying american weapons so it's good for our economy and i'm thinking you asshole really you're you're disgusting for you to sit there and say that this war is good because they're buying our weapons and it's good for our economy just shows what what a piece of shit he is i guess i mean look that i i agree and that's exactly what i'm talking about and by the way we shouldn't look at economic growth through the prism of the military industrial complex. I mean, there's a reason why Eisenhower said, beware the military industrial complex, because if you, you end up like with what Adam Kinzinger, Adam Kinzinger said about, look, we're selling all these weapons to Ukraine, then Lockheed Martin and Raytheon, they're going to have to hire more people to make up for all the stuff that we gave to Ukraine, because they're going to have to, make more bombs, munition, ammunition, weapons. And I'm sorry, but that is not a healthy or long-term vision for economic prosperity in this country. It's not. And yeah. you're doing it on the backs of dead Ukrainians. And by the way, let's not let's let, let's just say this right up front. The longer that this stalemate goes on in Ukraine, you can bet your ass that these politicians, both Democrats and Republicans, would vote in a second to put American troops on the ground. I mean, this is why they're already talking about oh, our allies, our allies, even though Ukraine's not technically an ally of ours. They're not. Uh, that's why they're talking about, oh, look at NATO countries. And oh my gosh, if Russia invades NATO, mm -hmm. that's gonna be active war. That's why they're saying that to, to prep the American people for what the eventuality of actually sending American boots on the ground. And I'm vehemently opposed to that. Because yeah, same. If, that if that happens, it, not only will Americans needlessly die, but we'll be stuck in that country for 20 plus years again. And, and come hell or high water, as long as I have air in my lungs, I'm not going to allow that to happen. Well, then we have, you know, the conflict that seems to be escalating in the Middle East. Uh, you have, you have, you know, of course, Hamas, you have the, now the Houthis are involved. You have, and oh, by the way, they're attacking us in, Ira in Iraq too. And so you have, all of these uh, forces or these these entities that are um, financed by Iran and so or, or controlled by Iran. And so you see uh, a broader conflict developing. It's almost like they want it. What where do you see this heading with what's going on in the Middle East? Nowhere good. I mean, because and this is this is why I talk about what happened recently with the two Navy SEALs and their tragic death um, uh, doing a, a, trying to take a ship clandestinely um, in and around the Red Sea. I mean, like the reality is, obviously we all know that Navy SEALs work from the shadows on basically everything that they do for the most part. But, but my question is, as someone who's led people in combat and been a leader all my life, 
is that why were they there in the first place? Why was it necessary for United States Navy SEALs to be there in the first place? So you back, you, you ask that question and you back off it, look at it from 30,000 feet. They were there because, as you talked about Iran, the Biden administration refuses to speak with moral clarity and, can, and publicly condemn Iran for what they're doing, what they've done in Israel. Now, to be clear, they 100% trained and funded Hamas in prep for their invasion of Israel, where they massacred innocent mm -hmm. men, women, and children. They, the, Iran was responsible for financing and training that. And just, by the way, just in case your viewers, listeners don't know, we released $6 billion of sanction-free money to Iran in the exact same month that yep. Hamas was there on the ground training with them. So, but it, so the Biden administration refuses to speak with moral clarity. And because of that, he can't go to, he can't openly strike Yemen, which, by the way, is an Iranian proxy. The Houthis are an Iranian proxy mm -hmm. uh, funded by the Iranians. And again, it's, it's just in case viewers, listeners don't know, which they probably do, but Iran, Iran is the number one state sponsor of terror, and they've been that way for 50 years. So, um, so we can't talk about this stuff openly because the Biden administration refused to, refuses to say that Iran is an enemy publicly. So what do we do? We have to send United States Navy SEALs in there clandestinely to, to do a ship assault or whatever mission that they were on and to tragically lose their life. And my question is, why did they need to be there in the first place? Because you can bet that it's, it's very, very likely that Hamas does not invade Israel with President Trump at the helm. Iran no. absolutely knows their place because under President Trump, they were sanctioned to hell and back. President Trump removed this from the Iran nuclear deal. The Houthis were declared a terrorist organization. Yeah. And, and so when you ask the question of like, what's, what's going on in the Middle East? Like, what can we expect there? As long as we have leaders in this country that are unwilling to speak with clarity as to who our enemies are, conflict in that area is can, can, going to continue to escalate, Dan. And you see, like, put yourself in the shoes of some of, some of these hostile foreign actors, whether you're President Xi of China, or your Iran, or your Russia as it pertains to Ukraine, all of these countries, they see the writing on the wall. They see that, yeah. that Trump is beating Biden in all of these general election polls, and that the, there's a very strong likelihood of him being elected in November. So what they're going to do from now until November is clamor to snatch up as much territory that is strategically good for their country while Biden is still president. And so that, so where does this go? I think the conflict is going to continue to escalate and all these dictators who feel empowered under Biden are going to continue to snatch up every strategic objective that they can in the hopes that they can get it done before Trump gets in office. Yeah, you know, I, I'm actually surprised we haven't seen China make a move on Taiwan yet because, um, you know, now's the time to do it. It's not going to happen when Trump is president again and he he needs to be president again. I don't see this country surviving another term of what we have right now, whether it's Biden or whether it's uh, somebody else from the Uniparty or, or the or the left. And um, it, it, it's crazy how you look at uh, these protests, these people, these pro Hamas protests, I call them on the campuses and in cities. A lot of the same actors uh, in the civilian in in the cities are, are the same ones that were Antifa and that sort of thing. But um, but in the universities, these kids they don't know what they don't know i mean it's it's insane especially the lgb community you see them they want to support hamas do they not understand that these people would throw you off a roof if you were over there and it, it, it's insane and so the left wants war 
the right wants peace. It, it, we've done this big flip route. It's, it's crazy. I know. <laughs> so crazy. Isn't that, isn't that the craziest thing in the world that the left for a long time was anti-war, distrust <laughs> the government, screw the government, F the man, right? And now it's completely flipped. So the left is the party of ivory tower academia. They're the party of Hollywood celebrities. They're the party of big tech oligarchs. They're the party of rich billionaires. And now we, the people, the Republicans are the party that are like, screw the man. I don't trust the government. The government does nothing but lie to us. And we're the party that's that's anti-war and, and the party that's doing everything that they can to pursue peace. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy to me. As somebody who grew up liking punk rock and I, did, I was never really a fan of rage against the machine but i understood what they stood for yeah. way back in the day now they're out there raging for the machine telling people to get the vaccine and everything else it's like what the hell happened in this country where everybody that yeah. i liked as a kid for being a rebel is now a bootlicker for the state it's crazy and, and i'm a musician and so i, I go i go back and I, and I look at the bands all the bands i grew up with in mostly late 80s and then i was big in the grunge era me and too, uh, yeah, and kind of uh, and, and I'm fortunate that I still have an outlet for that where I can play. And um, you, you used to play bass, right? I play you guitar used, and bass. Yes. You still play? Um, I haven't. Yes, yes, but I haven't really seriously played since before I joined the army. Okay. Yeah, I play. Uh, okay, I still I play. Get, I got to get back into it. <laughs> I got to get back into it. But it's, I, it's a great outlet, man. It um, is. I took many. I, I took it. many years off, and I didn't play for probably 15 years while I was raising my family. And then uh, they're all gone now, so I picked it back up and uh, playing in a, of all things, a Pearl Jam tribute band. Um, one of the most. <laughs> that's little, great. Yeah, I think that's cool, man. That's very yeah, cool. It, it's a kick, man. It's funny too. A, a lot of uh, people who are into uh, podcasting, and particularly on the conservative side, there are a lot of musicians out there. I mean, Tim Pool's one. There's a. Uh, there's several others. I think uh, Ben Shapiro plays some. I know that uh, Walsh does as well. So interesting. Um, I did not. I knew about Tim Pool, but I didn't know that about Shapiro, and I didn't yeah. know that about Walsh. Anyway, back to our, our originally scheduled uh, programming. Um, <laughs> Trump, he he is uh, he is a force, and it's, he scares him to death. I mean, you look at what they're doing to him, and the message that they've sent with the persecution of the of the J six protesters and um and they've they've taken and then of course they project it all if trump gets back in power he's going to be authoritarian he's going to be the one that puts his enemies in prison all while they're doing that exact same thing <laughs> yep and, and and their their base i mean their base loves it um the 33 that still think that biden's doing a great job they love it uh everyone else is going um what are you talking about you're the one doing this people around the world have got to be shaking their heads and as you said they see a weak america they see a a republic that is floundering and um and they're going to take advantage of it when they can huh yeah i i couldn't agree more and you talked about something that i think is extremely important especially for those who don't necessarily pay attention to politics like you and i do i mean i am i'm just i'm wired to it every day but the vast majority of Americans don't, they're not They're they're and, and they need to be, but they're not. But one of the Democrats greatest tricks and, and one of their greatest elements of propaganda is what I, what I call the golden rule is that the way I look at everything now in the media or anytime a Democrat talks, 
everything that I say, I just believe the opposite. And it like so if, if Democrats accuse Republicans of being something, you can be damn well sure that it's true about them. Yeah. Like just listen, like like oh Repub Republicans are oh, look at the Republicans, they're also racist. It's like, dude, you're the party of the KKK. Yeah. Every member of your party voted against the Civil Rights Act. Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. Like so, I mean, <laughs> Joe Biden. I mean, I I said this the other day on my show, like. Joe Biden eulogized, I think, Robert Burr. I can't remember. There's so many members of the KKK and the Democrat Party back in the day. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, Robert Burr eulogized yeah. his funeral. And I said, I'll eulogize a, a grand wizard of the KKK. And I got fact checked. And it said, uh, and you read the fine print. Oh, this said false. He did not eulogize a, a grand wizard of the KKK. And you read the fine print. It was a grand cyclops, not a grand wizard. And I'm like, whoa, gee, like you, the, these fact checkers give you the impression that it's not true. And then you read the fine print and you realize, oh, it's not a grand wizard. It's just a grand cyclops. Well, I'm sorry that I don't understand the, the, the rank structure of, of the KKK, you know, because I'm not a racist like the Democrats. But everything they say of Republicans is true of them. It's yeah. absolutely crazy. And this Trump, the dictator, my God, I said this six months ago. Because it just seemed like nothing that the Democrats were doing against Trump was working, whether it was two bogus impeachments, the the fake Mueller probe, the fake January 6th stuff, the, the January 6th committee, uh, all of this stuff, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop, all of these were lies and hoaxes meant to destroy President Trump. I even believe that January 6th, the more, in, just thinking clearly here, the more I see, the more information that I get about January 6th, the more I realized that it was a psyop intended to destroy Trump's legacy. But here's yeah. the thing, it didn't work. And so now all they have is Trump is literally Hitler. Trump's literally a dictator, but you're right. Like they're the ones that are out there using the Biden Department of Justice to throw January 6th grandmothers who just like walk through the Capitol between the stanchions in jail for like decades. Like yeah. they're the ones trying to put their political opponent in jail for the rest of his life on like 90 some charges, felony charges. It's absolutely ridiculous. The system in the system in this country, Dan, it's just, it's rotten to the core. Yeah. It's filled to the brim with corruption and, and, Republicans or independents who are out there thinking, well, the Constitution will save us. It could not be further from the truth because the system yeah. itself is is corrupt. These Democrats, especially these Democrat judges, they don't give a damn about the Constitution. They don't give a damn about legal precedent. They don't care about constitutional norms. They they their religion is their politics and they worship at the altar of radical left wing progressivism. And it's a yeah. danger to our country. Yeah, and there's some Republicans in there too that are that are just as uh, schmarmy as as they are, and it's <laughs> to, to put it nicely. Um, you're a big Trump supporter. Uh, I mm. am as well. Uh, I did kind of get I kind of saw a shiny object with Vivek for a while. Um, mm -hmm. I still like Vivek, um, but Trump is. I mean, he is he is it. And uh, tonight we have the New Hampshire primary. It should it should seal the deal. Uh, I'm thinking about an 18 or 22 point spread. What do you think? Man, I, I agree with you. It's going to be so interesting though. And, and like for New Hampshire, obviously it's very different than Iowa, different, different people. Uh, New Hampshire is an interesting split of, you know, MAGA. It is weird. Called base Republicans and more establishment Republicans. Mm -hmm. So 
I agree. I think that Trump is going to win by 15, 20 points. I mean, who knows? I mean, but I think that if the polls are right and they were right in Iowa, Trump is going to win. But what's crazy to me is that Nikki Haley has already come out today and said she's in it for the long haul and she's not dropping out after New Hampshire. And my question is, well, if you get your ass whipped in your own home state of South Carolina, what you can't even win your own state when you held statewide office there. It's probably time to bow out. And if you're getting shellacked in moderate New Hampshire, it's probably time to bow out. Yeah, well, as soon as as soon as her donors have the talk that uh, DeSantis's donors had with him, uh, it'll end. I mean, when when they stop giving her money, that's when it'll end, right? Maybe, maybe because so here's the thing, DeSantis. You're right, absolutely right about DeSantis. Um, he made the right call too, by the way. I, I, I respect him for that. He ran a horrible yeah, campaign, yeah. horrible campaign, but uh, unbelievable, terrible political miscalculation on his part. I yeah. mean, unbelievably intergalactic level, terrible political mind. I mean, seriously, man, it's amazing to me. Someone who ran for Congress in 2020 and watched the election get stolen before my eyes. And by the way. I don't care what anyone says. I lived it. I did the math. Mm-hmm. I could do a deep dive on it. The math did not make sense. It still does not make sense. It, it never made sense. And I, and so I ran for Congress. If somebody ran for Congress in Western Pennsylvania in 2020 and then turned around and ran for Senate in 2022, trust me when I tell you that, 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 pre, that President Trump, he is, he's, he's extraordinarily strong. You know, he just yeah. he just is. And but but what people need to recognize about Nikki Haley is that she has Democrats working for her. OK, she yeah. has Democrat advisors and she has Reed Hoffman, who the who's founder uh, founder of LinkedIn, Democrat billionaire. This is a Jeffrey Epstein, you know, flying on the Lolita Express type guy. Um was named in the Epstein client list um, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is the guy that gave Nikki Haley's super PAC $250,000. And it can, these people, these are the types of people that continue to fund her campaign. So if your goal, just look at things the way that the Democrats look at things and they, they, everything is full scale political warfare, right? So the Democrats are hitting Trump in a million different ways. So they've got the case in New York city where they're going after the Trump name and the Trump legacy and his business. And his because family. If they can take away, yeah, if they can take away his billions, then he can't self-fund. And then in Washington, D.C., and in Georgia, and in some of these other bogus cases, trying to throw the guy in jail and charge him criminally. Um, and then you look at what they're doing. I mean, Nikki Haley's another good example here. Uh, they're going to run Nikki Haley. for These Democrats are going to run Nikki Haley as long as she's dumb enough to run. Uh, because he'll have to keep running a primary and spending money on that front as well. And he has to spend money to defend himself to stay on the ballots in many of these states where the Democrats are trying to kick him off. So they're just trying to bleed the guy dry. That's how the Democrats right. operate. And conservatives need to recognize this and and soon because we need to start fighting like the Democrats do. Absolutely. I've been saying that. I've been preaching to the choir, man. I mean, we're playing Mr. Nice Guy and they're they're in it. They're playing hardball, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, this look at how Republicans look at um, appointing judges. We appoint right leaning jurists who leave their politics at home. The Democrats appoint crazy psychopath 
left-wing communists. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There's no different, like, there's no very, there's not a moderate Democrat out there. And then people will say, oh, well, look at Joe Manchin, look at John Fetterman. I'll tell you, I don't, don't trust what John Fetterman is doing at all. There's a reason why he's doing it, like, doing that. <laughs> I'm glad but, you brought that up. That was, that was a question I was going to ask. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I'll I'll explain my reasoning here in in a second. But these leftists, like, look at the look at the Supreme Court thing with the with the border. I didn't like. I knew it didn't matter how clear the law was on a certain issue as it pertained to the southern border. But like coming into this country and not coming through our immigration system legally, coming through it any other way than that is illegal. It's already a violation of federal law. But I knew that how every liberal member on the United States Supreme Court was going to rule even before the ruling was issued. Why is that? I'm not a freaking lawyer. I'm not a legal scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but I understand the commie liberal mind and that nothing else matters but their politics. And so sure enough, all these all these liberal justices found a way to say, you know what, Texas, you don't have a right to protect your people and secure your own border. And, and to their shame, Justice Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett, desperate not to show any bias, right? Because that's what we do. We appoint right-leaning people who leave their politics at home. They, they just say, oh, well, I don't want to be biased. I, I, don't wanna, I don't want the media to attack me. I don't want to seem like I'm in the tank for Republicans. So yeah. you see how fatalistic this dynamic is. Right. Like where the left will destroy this country while Republicans just want to. Oh, well, the norms are important. I mean, so here here now, Dan, we have a powder keg of a situation, because if, if I'm the governor of Texas, I'm saying, uh, excuse my language, F you to the federal government. I'm not listening to the Supreme Court. It sounds like he might. It sounds like he might do that. I He better. He better. Yeah. Because because listen, man, like. The Democrats, you can't beat, you can't beat a political party. They don't care about the laws. They pick and choose when to follow them. Like, look at sanctuary cities. They're illegal, right? What or or how about student loan debt debt forgiveness? Exactly what I was gonna say. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Well, hey, Supreme Court said you can't do it. Biden administration said, screw you, we're doing it anyway. So if that's who you're fighting, recognize your political enemy and adjust your rules of engagement accordingly. Because if you don't, we will lose. And so Governor Abbott should just say, screw you, come stop me and watch the Biden administration blink. Yeah, well, you know, they're going to have to. I mean, what are they going to do? Send the military down there and go to war with Texas if, if, if he refuses to open it up for the Border Patrol to remove their blockade? Um, that would be I, I don't think I don't think they have the balls to do that. I think that there are a lot of hot air. I don't think they will go in there and do something like that. And hopefully Abbott does stand up and, and say, you know what? Come and come and take it. And- it's, it's, it have to do it. Have to do it. Because it's a violation of, of, you know, our founder's idea of a social contract, right? That in a government run by and for the people, the people will cede reasonable liberties as long as the government upholds the, their number one responsibility and that is to protect themselves and their family. That's yeah. their function. The moment that the government does does not do that, and in the case of the border, where they're just allowing these migrants, I don't give a, they, look, these aren't a bunch of women and kids with babies coming across the border. 
These no. are fighting age males, and I'm tired of people who aren't willing to say that. That's exactly what they are. They're not fleeing because they're going to be assassinated by their government. Um, it, they, they're fleeing because they're like, maybe they want to get a job. That's not a reason to come to a country for asylum. And by the way, after you cross through Mexico, if asylum was something that was really important to you, did you ask the Mexican government? No? Okay. Nope. Well, then go back and ask them first. So it's 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 the whole thing is just so frustrating, and I refuse to play the left's games on this, and Governor Abbott should as well. He should say, nope, no mas, we're, we're, we're not listening. And by the way, the Border Patrol, the Border Patrol supports Governor Abbott. So yeah. the, isn't that the, the rank-and-file Border Patrol? They support him. So even if the Biden administration tried to stop what was happening, how could they? There's There's no teeth. Unless, as you said, he sends the military down there, which, by the way, people in the military aren't going to be wanting to they're not going to be wanting to do that. They understand that that Biden is destroying our country. So, yeah, I know we're going down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. It happens. But but it has to happen. Abbott has to say, screw you. Has to. Yeah, I hope he does. You know, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it, it was great. When I when it, the news broke that he had taken over that park and was, and was shutting down that area where Eagle Pass, where it's just been an insane number of people coming through. I mean, we, we, we can't sustain that. It, it, the, the liberal cities, the sanctuary cities that are uh, now, you know, crying and whining. And of course they want federal money to take care of it, shutting down schools and putting, uh, you know, illegals in there. It's just insane. Um, but uh, Trump, I like what he's doing, man. I like what he's saying. The massive deportation that needs to happen. When you get these people out of this country, man, it is, the, the 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 great replacement is not a theory it's it's happening right in front of our eyes i mean of course like if if believe me if the democrats thought that the people coming across our southern border were going to be voting 10 to 1 republican there would be a wall six miles high and six miles deep on that southern border oh yeah 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 and and it's just the, the, yes, absolutely. And the Democrats have talked about this, a demographic change. They, they, they've talked about turning Texas purple through precisely what you're yeah. saying. It's, it's, and again, this is, this is again what the Democrats do. They would have you, they'll call you a xenophobe and they'll say that the great replacement theory is, is xenophobic and a conspiracy theory. But it's true. They, they, they are trying to radically shift demographics in this country because if you just look at the polling, they're absolutely getting shellacked by middle class yeah. white Americans who are just trying to provide for their families who aren't necessarily super political, but those people are are by and large falling into the Republican camp more and more and more. And the Democrats know that that it's it's almost an insurmountable percentage of people that have gone to Republicans. So they have to find new voters. And this is what they're doing. And I'm I'm convinced of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um it, it's it's going to be, this is, I've been telling people all last year, you know, hey man, hang on, 2024 is going to be a year like uh, you have never experienced in your life. And we've seen some, not just, you know, the resurgence of Trump and he just, the more they try to do to him, the stronger he becomes, of course. And they don't get that, it blows them away because they can't think, uh, they just think linearly. They don't, they don't think about the whole thing. And so, um, but one of the new guys that came on the scene, as far as politics go, uh, was Vivek Ramaswamy, and um, I've done a pretty deep dive into him. I, I mean, 
deeper than most. I mean, I've probably got a hundred hours of research into this guy. Uh, I've read all, I read all of his books when I found out, well, who is this guy? I'm going to read his books and read a couple of biographies on him. Um, Trump seems to be, uh, kind of smitten with him at the moment right now. Um, and I want to get your opinion on him before we do that. I do have one clip I want to play today. Uh, it's about, it's about 45 seconds. And, and this was from last night. You, you may not, you may have seen it. Probably, you probably did if you're a, if you're a social junkie like I am, but, um, I will introduce yeah. to you for just a few seconds, a few people that have been incredible on the campaign trail. They've been really good, and they'll have a lot to do with what's happening in the country over the next four years, and I'm sure long beyond that. Vivek, please come here. Vivek Rameshwamy. I love you back. If you want to seal the border, vote Trump. If you want to restore law and order in this country, vote Trump. If you want to defeat the deep state, vote Trump. If you want to fight inflation, vote Trump. If you want to revive national pride in this country, vote Trump. If you want to revive our national identity in this country, vote Trump. If you want to make America great again, vote Trump. That's how we're going to win this in a landslide in November, like Reagan delivered in 1980. I mean, wow. When you start hearing the crowd chant with him and, and the smiles on, uh, on Trump's face, it, it was, uh, I thought that was a neat moment. What do you think about the bait? Well, I mean, it sounds like you've got a lot more time doing a deep dive on him than me. I, I like a lot of what he says. I think he's a great, I like everything he says. I think he's a great communicator. Right. Um, I think he could be, boy, he understands the media. He understands their game. Uh, they, in so far as they cannot be taken seriously, uh, they are in the tank for the radical left and should be treated as such. Um, mm -hmm. In other words, not taken seriously. I love that he, that he's unafraid to talk about things like January 6th and, and actually defend uh, some of the January 6th hostages. It's real. This is really important because uh, very few yeah. politicians, very few politicians are willing to do this because they're afraid of the political consequences. But that's not your job. Your job, our founders intended politicians to be people like, hey, go to the town square, get up on your soapbox, tell us where you fall on a position and sway public sentiment. That that's that's your job. And hey, yeah. if people like what you say, you win. If people don't, you lose. Okay. But at least be honest. And and so Vivek, what I like about him is that he is not afraid to lock horns with the media about very important topics. Because the truth is, the, what the media and the left want is to strong arm conservatives, strong conservatives to say nothing. And then people who are like the masses who look to their representatives to advocate on a certain position, they've elected them for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. And if those people stay quiet, then only one part of the one part of the story gets out, and that's why his, the, the conversations and the discourse about January six are so important, or other things like the election, vaccines, anything. But you notice how, just at least since twenty twenty, you've not been allowed to talk about elections. You've not been allowed to talk about COVID or vaccines. You're not allowed to talk about January six. And as no. someone who is a free thinker. And I'm sure that you have many listeners and viewers who are free thinkers as well. 
Ask yourself so. why that, why you feel that way. There's, there's probably a reason why you're being pushed to, in one direction and the other side of the conversation is being completely shut down. So this is what right. I appreciate about Vivek. I will also say that I don't fully trust him yet. And not because, not because he said anything that's been a red flag. I, I have to say, I really do not like what he said about Trump. You know, hey, look, like uh, Trump, you're sending him to his demise. I don't dude, like that. You dude, know, his, but, his, his message, I agree with you. His message was, I mean, basically what we've been talking about is that the left and the, and the Uniparty would love to have Nikki Haley. They'd, they want to eliminate Trump and they would be happy marching Nikki Haley in. His message or his his, his message wasn't wrong, it, but the way he delivered it, um, as Trump said, you know, he tried to get kind of cute and, uh, and he didn't like that, right? It was a shot yeah. across the bow. And, and, but I think Vivek got the message when Trump fired back, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. I just think in this movement, I need to see somebody for a while. I need to see a track record. And you look mm -hmm. back at what happened in, with Trump in 2016. I mean, that man, what I appreciate so much about him is just his ferocity with regards to what he believes. Yeah. And at any given moment in Washington, you had Republicans attacking him, Democrats attacking him. That's exactly why I voted for him. That's exactly why Same. I want him there. I don't give a, I, I despise political parties, uh, even though I'm, I'm a constitutional conservative and Republican. I don't, I think our party by and large is a, essentially a speed bump for the radical left. They, they, they are the, and the uniparty is a real thing. And yeah. I appreciate Donald Trump because he resists all the crazy on both sides and just stands true to what he believes in and tries to make good on the promises that he made the American people. And for four years in the face of all that withering resistance, this country was better off than at any other time in my whole life. As someone who, I mean, honestly, as someone who fought in the Middle East, never in my life would I ever expect we'd ever achieve any semblance of peace. And somehow Trump did it with the Abraham Accords, energy independent in the first couple of years in office, you know, 400 some thousand people cross the border un under Trump. And you're looking at something like 8 million, 10 million under Biden. I mean, it's just like absolutely ridiculous. It's not even a comparison about how my economy was booming gas. I think around in, in my area in Pennsylvania was like a buck 80 a gallon. If that, I mean, I mean businesses were booming. I know I ran for Congress. Then I met with these business owners, many of whom were Democrats that were like, man, it's hard to argue with the Trump economy. Okay. Um, and so the man is a powerhouse and what, but his, if he made any mistakes, and I don't even like to say a mistake because it's too strong of a word. Um, Trump is a guy that's a consensus builder. He's always been a consensus builder. He, business. Yeah, man. He came up in yep. New York city. Like the guy worked with yeah. Democrats all the time. And by the way, these douchebag communists, these people were waiting around the block for Trump's parties when he was just Trump, the celebrity from New York. These people love taking campaign donations from oh, the yeah. guy. But Trump is a businessman. He worked with both sides of the aisle. So he wins in 16, despite all of these hoaxes. And he thinks, you know what? I'm going to try to be a bridge builder. I'm going to try to work with the Democrats. Let's cool the rhetoric on Hillary. And he did say that. And, and frankly, as an American, I kind of I appreciate that. I, yeah. I appreciate him at least trying. But very soon he found out that the swamp is much deeper than he thought. I, I really believe that. And then you find these Republicans 
who have these kick-ass resumes, right? Oh, look at look at Bill Barr. Look at all the great things that he's done. Boy, he's got a great reputation. Oh, look at James Comey. Look at Chris. These guys are great, right? He's not going to make that mistake again. Not going to make that mistake again. That's exactly right. And there, that's exactly why they're so afraid of him this time around. Yeah, and and I agree one hundred percent. I mean the, but what do you? I mean, he was stepping into an arena he wasn't familiar with. He surrounded himself with, as leaders do, uh, people they believe are experts in their field and better than them in those areas and uh, and and some of them turned out to be real real snakes and um and and then of course the the pandemic uh i mean what are you gonna do he was told that two million people were gonna die if he didn't do something and he he was he was he was stuck between a rock and a hard place and and um you know operation warp speed i wish he'd stop bragging about that but but you can nobody's perfect dude I mean, everybody makes errors or, or or misjudges situations, and that's okay because as long as you learn from them and go forward in a different direction or in a better path next time around, um, that that's a good thing. That's how we grow, right? Yeah, man. Look, I, exactly. And 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 again, so, so much of what happened during COVID history has been rewritten, and I. I you know, I sort of lay this at the feet of DeSantis and I'm not, I'm not like going out. I do think that DeSantis is the best governor of, in America. And I really Great. do. Like, I, I think he ran a terrible campaign. It wasn't his time, terrible political miscalculation. But like, the truth is, is that if you remember, think back to what was happening in COVID. Trump called for this country to be completely reopened by Easter. Yes. He was crucified by the media Yeah, by October. Trump was calling Fauci a disaster. He was doing interviews on this. He's a disaster. Yep. Well, why don't you just fire him? He said, because if I fire him, it'll be a worse disaster. In other words, in other words, like I've got, if I fire him, the American people are so bought into the, to the propaganda. Well, we look now, we know it was propaganda, but they were so bought in on, you know, St. Fauci that it, he was, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you yeah. don't, as you said. And and, and it was really important is that this, people like DeSantis and in his camp would have you believe that he was always anti-Fauci. And he did, you know, he opened up Florida. He, he did a good job down there. But he didn't, not one single time, not one single time criticize Fauci while Trump was in office. He didn't criticize Fauci until Biden was in office. Right. So that, that's the truth. And, and so as far as Operation Warp Speed, if, if, the vac, you, if you remember, the vaccines didn't roll out until after January of 2021. Yes. And so yeah. the crazy thing about this is that these big pharma companies, who, by the way, are fundamentally destroying this country with the lies that they're telling the American people. They, like, I appreciate. So if you look at the things that big pharma does, they I don't like to like paint things with broad strokes. Right. They've done some great things. Right. But what they did with COVID. And ramming through the like corrupting people at the FDA and this emergency youth authorization with the vaccine will look we will look back on this as one of the greatest human rights abuses of, of our time. But big pharma was involved in the 2020 election and swaying it in Biden's favor, too, because they purposefully delayed the vaccine. Even, I mean, obviously, it didn't work, but it would have given Trump a political win. I mean, at the time, if he would have been able to roll it out. But but they didn't. They didn't. They waited till after to give Biden the win, even though, again, recognizing it wasn't actually a win. The vaccine is poison. But but like 
you see my point, right? Yep. It's just like Trump was up against it every way. And and you're right. He's not going to make that mistake again. And and it's it's unfortunate uh, what Big Pharma did. I mean, they've always been kind of uh, they, they've always sleazy. been kind of crooked and sleazy. Yes. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but but as you said, they have done some good things. And so but what they what they did during COVID is now everybody's like, oh, now they're against everything that Big Pharma does. And they actually do put out some good medications and do some good things. And unfortunately, they've soured the public on it. And um, and that's a that's a sad, sad state of affairs. Hopefully it, it shakes itself out over time. I got to we're starting to run out of time here, but I do want to um, there's a couple of questions I wanted to point at you. One of one of them I have to ask because, okay. well, I'm curious, but also uh, my wife told me to. And so um, <laughs> okay, I got it. So I got to I got to go there. Um, so and this is a hypothetical. So uh, you have a lot of military experience. Um, you have extensive experience uh, dealing with the VA uh, for, for many years, I assume, since your um, medical discharge and, and throughout the years. Uh, if you were offered a position in a Trump administration as, as head of the VA or some sort of a czar to straighten it out, um, to say you were offered that, would you consider it? Hell yeah, I would. Absolutely. I Now, I don't think that I would be at this point in time with a slim majority in the Senate. I don't think I'd ever be able to be confirmed in the Senate for everything, for anything, because of that ridiculous fake hit job that the Democrats and 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 Republicans, Democrats and Republicans pulled on me in my Senate race for in 2022. Everybody um, saw what happened. That was BS, dude. It believe me, it 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 was unbelievable the lies that were told. I mean, I've never, and, and the reason for it was, is that we were six points up on, on Fetterman. I was not, everybody knew that. And this was a year before the general election. I got Trump's endorsement in September. That same month, we pulled 30 points ahead of anybody else in a multiple candidate field. Yep, we were beating yep. Fetterman by six, a year. Oh, we were rooting election. for you out here, man. We were watching the race. And, and, and like, all of a sudden out of left field, like what the hell is this? You know, and so they pull this 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 nonsense. Um, so I don't know that I'd ever get confirmed because of that. Not yet, anyway. Um, until Republicans gain a few more seats in the Senate. But if he, if I was a national security advisor, got the opportunity to work with President Trump, I know that man, and I, I know his sons. I, 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 in fact, I had an opportunity to talk and meet with President Trump when he came to Erie. I spoke at his rally. I met him. I talked to him. Like he, he's a great human being. If the media portrayed him honestly, the guy would win by 50 points. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, Trump is a fighter, right? He says things on Twitter that some people don't like. I don't really give a damn about that because I'm not I'm not electing the guy to date my daughter. I'm electing the guy to kick President Xi's ass. That's yep. that's that's why I want him in office. Um, but he shook hands with all of my children and he said, he looked at all of them, he goes, You got an amazing father right here. He knew exactly what happened in 2020. He remembered it to the number. Um, he's just a good man. And he raised great kids. And he's got a great family. And I, it would be an honor to be able to have the opportunity to work with him. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, it would so be. The, man, the VA, is it true that, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's something that I, I read in, in one of your uh, books or something, but um, uh, like 230,000 of 847,000 of the patient backlog uh, died while they were waiting for care. Yeah. I mean, is this, is, is that for real? I mean, here's what I can tell you about uh, the VA backlog. Do you, do you remember back in 2000 and 
2014 around that time where the VA, the secret waitlist scandal happened. Yeah. Where veterans were saying, wait a second, like, I can't get an appointment at the VA. This was at the height of the wars. The VA was saying, look, if you can't get an appointment, it's on you. Right. But the truth is they had a secret wait list. Well, we exposed all of that. Um, I was working for an organization called Concerned Vets for America. And it was like a mm-hmm. policy organization. It was the first veterans policy organization of its time. Because there are lots of veterans organizations like the Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, or I'm sorry, not the department, not the department. Yeah, the no, not not the VA. I mean, there are service organizations like the VFW, um, Disabled American Veterans, mm-hmm. organizations like that that help veterans on the back end with VA claims. But at that time, there wasn't any organization that helped craft good policy for them so that when they got to that point, it, they had policies that were favorable to them. So that's what the organization was. And we crafted this bill in response to the secret wait list saying like, listen, they called it, if Trump actually signed it into law when he was president, it's called the Mission Act. And it basically gave uh, veterans a choice card where if there was a backlog at the VA, they could take that choice card to anyone, any civilian healthcare provider in their area to get the treatment that they that they desperately need. And by the way, they deserve. Trump signed that into law and Biden just totally gutted it. And so it, it's it's hard to know. I mean, the numbers that come out of the VA, Dan, are so like, are, they can be so sketchy. But there are, the fact of the matter is, is that there are like 20 some veterans that take their own life every day. And that's not because I mean, the V so clearly that's that has to have some negative reflection on the VA. Like, I'm grateful for a lot of the things that the VA does. I'm glad the organization is there, but they can improve in a million different ways. And and, you know, Trump was the guy that that man, he improved that organization so much when he was president. But it's really gone. It's it's really backslid since Biden's been in office. Uh, Are illegals getting care from the VA uh, before veterans are? Yes, yes. Yes, they're they're coming across the border and being prioritized and taking in VA hospitals. Yes, it's absolutely ridiculous that we would prioritize people who come here illegally. Uh, and and you you got we've got a homeless veterans prob- problem in this country, the likes of which we haven't seen in in a very very long time. And you know, veterans are just think about that. They fight and bleeding for other streets of other countries, but they come home and they got to sleep on the streets of America and be denied the care that they need while simultaneously the VA has been directed to give care to illegal migrants who come here and don't necessarily even have an allegiance to the Constitution. Yeah. Square that one. It's, it's crazy, man. Um, you, something you alluded to earlier, is, and you're from Pennsylvania. Um, yes. And, uh, you, you know, like you said, you ran for Congress, you ran for the Senate there. You brought up the race uh, where Oz eventually ended up losing to Fetterman. Um, it, it, lately, Federman's been making a lot of headlines because he's actually speaking uh, somewhat coherently. Um, he's either the most rational sounding Democrat in existence or it's all smoke and mirrors. What do you say? It's smoke and mirrors. And, and here's why. Bob Casey is a Democrat senator from Pennsylvania. He's up for reelection this year. He's up against a very, very tough opponent in Dave McCormick, who's been able to raise historic sums of money to take him on for the first time in three terms. We have a real shot to take out Bob Casey po- politically, right? You know, I don't need the NSA like listening and hearing that. No, Parnell's <laughs> violent, you know, to knock him off politically. You'll end up uh, in the gulag. Came out today and had the race within the margin of error between McCormick and Casey. So, for folks that are listening and watching, Pennsylvania at the top of the ticket for last hundred years 
fed one Democrat, one Republican. Always a sense of moderation and balance at the top. There's an old phrase out there, Pennsylvania at the top and from their offices of Senate, they, they, they desire neither virtue nor vice. Too much of either of those, you, you lose. They want moderation. And for the first time in a long time, they got two Democrats up there and one is a complete whack job in John Fetterman, completely. I've known him for a long time. He's been a free Palestine crazy person forever. He is straight up communist. He is more extreme than Bernie Sanders. So anytime the Democrats do something like this and you're like, wow, that was kind of out of character. It's deliberate. It's planned. Like, and it is out of character. <laughs> it's very out of character. So what he's trying to do is dominate news coverage, right? So that Bob Casey can fly under the radar, right? And he is. That's what that's his MO. It's just like most people in the state couldn't even tell you what Bob Casey looks like. So Bob so John Fetterman says all this nice stuff, and conservatives are like, oh wow, look at John Fetterman talking about securing the border. Oh, he's a really pragmatic Democrat. And meanwhile, nobody's looking at Bob Casey's record, who's up for election this cycle. We're just told, oh, look at the shiny object of John Fetterman. Oh, he's saying things that are sane. Um, but the truth is, he's trying to give Pennsylvanians what they've always had here generationally, and that's moderation at the top. Don't buy it. It's not real. And if you don't believe me, again, rule number one with the Democrats, don't listen to what they say. Watch how they vote. John Fetterman would have you believe that he's some big Israel. Oh, man, Israel has a right to defend themselves. Why wouldn't anybody want Israel to defend? Look what Hamas did. Well, dude, you voted against aid for Israel in the wake of the terrorist attack, bro. So what you're saying doesn't exactly match with your voting card. So, again, don't <laughs> rule number one, right? Don't listen to what the Democrats say. Watch what they do. Yeah, totally. Well, that's that's great. Uh, and I, I knew you would have some good insight on that uh, <laughs> since you have a well, I wouldn't say a close relationship with the guy, but you've uh, you've competed against him on the on the field of play, so to speak. Um, I know you're short on time today. I know you've got you're just plugging one after the other today, and that's great. Uh, I, I, I'd love to pick your brain for more. But uh, I know that the we're, the we're hey, up against I'll the line. Here, but, time, um, man. We can we can do a part two to this. That's totally I, fine with me. That'd be great. I do have one final topic today, though. And uh, it, it, one is what motivated you to become a writer? And uh, and spoiler alert here uh, for those of you who have not read Sean's book books. Um, the last I read, Eric Steele, he and his dad were shot up on some island after saving the world <laughs> yet again. And uh, and they're, they're laying there, you know, dying. And, and they, you kind of left it right there. Now, I'm an avid reader. I, I read 40 to 50 books a year of, of both fiction and nonfiction. Will I be reading more about Eric Steele? Yes, but you listen to this. So after I ran for office, it, my publisher just like, no, yeah, we don't like your political trajectory. So I've got to, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I, I was not, I'm not a politician, right? Like I, Trump pulled me in from the outside. People don't mm -hmm. know, like, I didn't like bracket up the seat for Congress like these dirtbag politicians do and like run for a higher office, you know, over the course of 10 years to run for that office. Trump came to Western Pennsylvania and called me out randomly in a speech to run. I mean, I wasn't even at the speech, man. I was down in South Carolina giving a service dog to a veteran and my phone's like blowing up. All these reporters asking me, like, are you running for office? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? My mom's calling me. She's like, Sean, are you running for Congress? I'm like, no, mom, I'm not running for Congress. And then she's like, and then she's like, well, President Trump says you're running for Congress. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, ma? Like, just to get this video. And yeah, Trump calls me out the run. And so I did. And um, so it's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like it's like I've been scheming for this for forever. So 
I say all that to say I've just written books and like worked in, I have five, I think what, yeah, five books out. And that's just sort of what I did and, and tried to yeah. give back to veterans prior to getting involved in all this political stuff. And, um, and so as soon as I came out of the closet as like a Trump guy, done. And so yeah. I got to find another house, another home for yeah. Eric Steele. But he's like, still he up there in your head. He's, he's still. Oh yeah. I already have, I already have, a, and I already know where I'm taking the story. Great. I'm already working on the book. You're definitely going to get it. Just have to find another publishing home for it for sure. Yeah. That's uh isn't that crazy how, how they cancel people like that just for um, not thinking the same way as they do. It's uh it's a bizarre thing to me. I don't agree with anything that Democrats support or do, but at the same time, I'm not, um, I'm not going to go out and destroy somebody's, uh, you know, I'm not going to take bread off their table because of it. I mean, that's what's so scary about the Democrats is that they're not like I come from a family of union Democrats. And interestingly enough, many of these people are more pro-Trump than my Republican family members. But Western Pennsylvania, pro-life, pro-gun Democrats that just believe that the Democrat Party represents the little guy. And now the Republican Party represents the little guy. We talked about yeah. that paradigm shift earlier. Yep. But the Democrats are 100% neo-fascists. That's what they are. If you don't believe and, and see things the way that they do, they will try to destroy your life. Even if you are a Democrat, look at RFK. Like if you have Biden not denying the guy Secret Service protection, um, you look, Joe Rogan, everyone like everyone acts like he's some conservative hero now. And I like Joe Rogan. He's a great guy. But like, let's be honest, he's a classical liberal. He supported Bernie Sanders. You yep. know, now now every article you read about Joe Rogan is like, oh, he's far right extremist. Elon Musk, the dude voted for Biden last cycle. And it's like, oh, look, at he's a far right conspiracy. So they, these are people who are liberals who don't toe the line with their with the neo-fascist worldview. And even these people are being thrown to the wolves. So that's what's so scary yeah. about the Democrats. And that's why it's so important that we win. Well, like that graphic Elon put up shortly after he took over X was um, that he stayed in the same place. It was the it was the line that moved. Yeah, and, 100%. Um, and they're driving their own party away. It is crazy. Do you have any upcoming events or anything that you want to throw out there? Well, just that you can find me every night from five to six um, on my show. Uh, it's called Battleground Live. It's on It's on Rumble. Uh, I'd love to have uh, people in the trenches with us. The whole point of the show is to build a community and, and talk about the things that matter and and do everything we can to save this country. So I'd love to have people uh, hop over to my Rumble page and subscribe if they feel so inclined. Yep, it's up there on the screen. It's right there, rumble.com slash battleground live. And uh, Rumble is the free speech alternative to YouTube where you can't be canceled unless you do something extremely heinous or illegal, which neither right. one of us do. So. <laughs> Anyway, um, you enjoy the rest of the day. I hope to have you on again. Um, Anytime, man. Anytime. Okay, Sean. Thank you. Hey, folks, uh, Sean Parnell, give a follow and read his books. Um, you can find him at officialseanparnell.com, at Sean Parnell USA on X, at official Sean Parnell on Facebook and Instagram. Anyway, thanks again for watching. And as always, until next time, may the odds be ever in your favor. Cheers.